Mix, folks. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, at least last I know, which means this, for some reason, has to be... Hey, welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Hello, everybody. It's our special last show of the year episode. What do you think? I'm just counting down the days. Two two more days, right? Today's 29. Right. Yeah, two more days yeah. in 2022. So, um, yeah, I, I have to wonder if every other small business owner and franchise owner is doing what I've been doing the last week, is, which, which is saying, okay, how many expenses can I possibly cram into 2022 and make sure all the payments clear before January 1st? <laughs> Probably <laughs> most, I would imagine. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's when you know that it's been a good year when you're searching for things to hurry up and offset, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we have a little bit of a skeleton crew with us today, as most of the Pillars team is spending time with their family. And deservedly um, so. Absolutely. So we have a guest uh, that pre-recorded with us so that we could give some people some time off. But we just want to kind of reflect on the year of 2022 and look toward 2023 for the Pillars group and let everybody know um, what we're thinking is going to be exciting for next year. What what we were happy with about the previous year. Um, we did have some big things kind of at the end of the year, a flurry of activity going on for yeah. us, didn't we? We sure did, yeah. You know, we could always start as we sort of say the end in mind, right? Start with what happened most recent, if you want to. But I mean, most recent, we had our great um, time that we spent down at the Titus Center in West Palm Beach and uh, filming the next four sessions or episodes, we'll say, of uh, the Franchise Hot Seat. Mm-hmm. That's some great emerging brands. I can't wait to, to see them grow and be more and more successful. Um, obviously, I have a personal favorite that has to do with dogs. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and actually all the models that we looked at were all really solid. They all had um, great ideas, great strategies. I think they all had good support for their franchisees as their brands grow. Um, and certainly, since we help people find franchises here at Pillars of Franchising, it's great to actually have some one-on-one time with the founders of these businesses so that you really get to know who they are. But for me, yeah. it's much easier to say, oh, hey, Elizabeth, you, you, know, you and this founder would really hit it off. You have the same visions. You have the same goals. You believe in the same stuff, and oh yeah, oh yeah. By the way, this is their brand, and this is what they're doing. Um, yeah. It's nicer if you can make that personal connection. So I really enjoy spending time with them. Yeah, it was great, and I think the connections that we're making for pillars um, and for our clients and audience is going to be very valuable coming in the next year. And uh, speaking of those four, we're going to do our March issue. Um, the January issue is coming out on Monday, um, but the March issue is going to be about emerging franchisors, emerging brands to keep yeah. an eye on. So we are going to profile 
um, the ones who were the contestants on the hot seat and give you a little bit. We're not going to give anything away. You've got to wait till the shows come out. But we are going to give you an idea of who they are, what they do, what they offer, what their business models are, that sort of thing. So I think that's going to be kind of a fun way to keep us engaged. We've got a lot of uh, connections going on with Titus Center going forward. And um, also we've connected with, with Carlos White out of Dallas and the Dallas Initiative that we're covering his story in the issue that comes out on Monday, which is about recharging, rebooting, and reinventing your career. Um, so he's trying to reinvent uh, the south side of Dallas and introduce more franchising and be a real hub for franchising and bring in training programs and that kind of thing to help the community um, have, find success through business ownership. So I'm yeah. really excited about him. His article will be out on Monday, so take a look at that. Um, nice. We're also... I'll just throw in the cover story is Laura Spalding, who's overcome, rebooted, reinvented her career several times over the course of her, her business life. Um, so, so it's a good time to talk about those things as we're all looking to kind of re-energize. Right. But also, we are getting more engaged with people who are doing good things in franchising as a business. Yeah, I think what's cool about um, both of those things that you have just talked about is that it also goes step in step with everything that's going on outside of franchising and in corporate America as well. And that's all the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And mm -hmm. so um, whether it be, you know, some of the battles that Laura has gone through or whether it be some of the challenges that Carlos um, has decided to take on that the good folks of South Dallas are facing. I mean, this is really kind of franchising getting together to say, Hey, listen, we may all be small businesses, but we are going to make a difference. And if everybody joins in, that's the whole collective uh, power of many, right? And so I think that that's going to be really interesting to watch this next year. I think we're going to see really great things coming out of Dallas. Um, the previous month in November, or was it the first week of December? I can't remember. It seems like I was on the road the last two months straight. Yeah. Um, but I said, time in Orlando at the Franchise Brokers Association um, event where we had, oh my gosh, a hundred and something uh, franchises down there and got to meet with a lot of great people. Um, some of the people who've been here on the show, um, which has been really good too, Ron Bender was out there with Men in Kilts. Um, interesting story about that brand. And they are joining a, a what I call the conglomerate or the umbrella companies, right? Like Neighborly is my umbrella company or my um, collective umbrella brand. Um, and so it's interesting to talk to him and some of the brands. Um, I think it was Made Pro that I also talked to. They're joining under one service umbrella. And so it's interesting to talk about the changes, you know, what the franchise was like when they bought it. And now that they've grown and they've been um, they've been purchased by an investment firm, what are some of the things that you go through as a franchise owner, um, you know, both emotionally and um, financially, and from a marketing perspective, from a staffing perspective? I mean, a lot of things change. So we're going to look forward to doing a lot of um, reporting and sharing of stories on that in this upcoming year too, because. We know private equity is really the way of the future for a lot of franchise brands. Um, people are just growing and then all of a sudden, whoop, somebody comes in and buys them right up. So it'd be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the show, um, I think we're up to almost 40 streaming platforms that we're streaming out to. 
um, which is huge. Fred's been a busy little bee on the hamster wheel of, of uh, digital media, making sure that we're out there and, and making as much impact as we can across as many platforms as we can. So that's an exciting development this year. We've brought um, some new people onto our team. We've got Karen Kimsey Ford joined us in leadership role and in a mentorship role, and she's she's got big things planned for us for um, 2023. Yep. We're looking to expand our ability to help people buy franchises by bringing on someone else to help us in that. Um, yep. That'll come later this year. So we've got Andrea Mundy. Yeah, she joined us. Go ahead. And and she was a she's a great talent who actually built her brand, turned it into a franchise, and then was acquired by uh, a, an umbrella brand, a parent company. Mm -hmm. So she's run the whole gamut. And certainly we have Laura List who jumped in to um, help us out from our franchise lawyer perspective as well. So it's been a really fulfilling year in terms of continuing to build a team of people from diverse backgrounds, from um, diverse segments within franchising that can really make sure we're providing good guidance, good support, good mentoring. Made, um, Molly made neighborly convention reunion. Um, I think that was in October. I mean, I'm telling you, time's flying here. Um, and we were really pleased to meet a couple of people who said, oh my gosh, we enjoy watching the show. And we wound up buying this brand because we went out to Pillars and you guys were explaining the FDD and all the great things that we need to look for. And that really helped us understand what it was that we were doing. And then we met another person who bought a Molly made in my neighborhood and said, oh yeah, I, I know all about you. And I'm like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. You're very nice, but I don't know you. And come to find out, she bought one of my friends who uh, retired. Uh, she and her husband bought their franchise. And so now we've got a great relationship. They watch the show all the time. And um, that was one of their kind of teetering points to go and to buy a Molly made. So it's been a really interesting year. We've met so many people, both from a listener point of view, people who are in franchising, who want to be in franchising, standpoint, I mean, it's really been fantastic. So, um, Well, it really has. We can't forget um, Darian Ray. Ray started his new segment talking about buying an existing franchise and the pillar is pillar. Um, yeah. So that's going to be a big thing, I think, coming up in the coming year with people who may be looking toward retirement or you know, coming to the end of their contract. So that that's an important topic that he's covered, and he's going to cover a lot more as his, his segment progresses. And then Jerry, who's always the greatest proponent of franchising ever, um, yep. who always says it's always a good time to buy a franchise. Um, and he and had a book come out this year, so he had a big year personally. Um, he had a lot going on in his business. So, and he acquired a couple of joint chiropractics. So he's got tons going on and is always very generous with his wisdom and experience. To the audience, so I just didn't want to leave Jerry out. He is uh, tending to a, a grandchild who got a little cut on his head and is getting some stitches as we speak. So we want to wish them well. Yes. <laughs> sure. I will. I will also say we've got our our silent team behind the scenes that mm -hmm. help us. Um, that will sh that by request will remain nameless. Um, but also um, our very favorite business partner Jim Trelevin, who's who provides us such great guidance in how we structure the pillars organization as a corporation and how we grow in the future, making sure that we can, you know, take three or four different business segments all under the pillars of franchising umbrella and make them successful. So a shout out to Jim as well, because he's been a real huge help in making sure that 
we're doing the right things for the right reasons at the right time. And uh, so enough about all of this past year, because I don't know about you, but I hate the rear view mirror. I prefer to yeah. look at the windshield. And uh, I think we've got some really good stuff coming up in 2023. We absolutely do. Everything's going to keep on trucking with additions. Um, we've got some new contributors coming onto the magazine. We've got some um, segments that we want to bring on, um, some of our previous guests who we realized had a lot to offer as contributors, so having them come on periodically, um, doing more panels. Andrea puts together some great panels for us, as we'll always do our Women in Franchising panel, but she tends to put together really great people who have complementary experiences and skill sets who really have a lot to offer the audience, so I think that it, um, is going to be great. She's going to be on a little bit more coming up in the next year. Yeah, absolutely. So things are going to go gangbusters, I think, and and hopefully this franchise hot seat, we can um, build that up and help them get that out there a little bit more and become yeah. better connected to some of our relationships that we have grown. Yeah, I mean, you know, our goal has always been to get our, uh, our Roku channel going, and we're feverishly loading uh, stuff to get that going, and we're always striving to make the, the show here better. Um, yeah. whether it be getting new cameras, new sound systems, whatever we can to make sure that not only is it a creative show and an, an informative show, but also that we're broadcasting, you know, to a high level of, of standard and high quality. So if you've got feedback on those things, we certainly would like to hear from you. Um, and as well as we go through all the shows, we ask that you call in if you have questions. We have a lot of people who like to go into chat and send us questions. So um, I think this is going to be a year we're going to really look for a lot of feedback from our audience, um, especially as we're talking to some of these really interesting guests. We've got some great co-hosts that are going to be joining us, um, you know, on a quarterly basis or every other month basis, and uh, that will certainly strike up some different type conversations and a different angle to the show. So, yeah, absolutely. Kind of to look forward to. It's exciting to to get through the next couple of days and really focus forward and you know, put our heads down and grind it out. Yes, absolutely. And without further ado, I would like to introduce our pre-record, obviously, and I think you actually introduced them as we recorded, but if, if we haven't done a great job in that list of today's uh, recording that we did with, with Scott Greenberg, uh, if you all remember, we interviewed him several months back. He owned a, um, oh, for Christ's sakes, I can see it. I can't say it. Fruit, help me out. Oh, let's let him tell us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll see that. It just went right out of my brain. That's telling me that the year is over. But he's an amazing business performance performance expert. He's a TEDx keynote speaker. He's helped out in the franchise industry all over the board. Um, and it's going to just kill me that I can't think of the brand because it's right there and I can see the little vans with the fruit on them. Okay. Yep. It's coming to me. Let's let Scott tell us, and we hope you enjoy this segment of the show. Welcome and we'll be back. back to the Pillars of Franchising. We are here with Scott Greenberg. Scott is one part business game changer, one part motivational leader. He's filled with 10 years or, um, plus of experience as a multi-unit award-winning franchise owner with Edible Arrangements, uh, whose operation won international recognition as best in customer service and manager of the year. He pretty much wrote the book on what it takes to transform business from average to extraordinary. He um, is an author. He has written The Wealthy, Wealthy Franchisee, Game-Changing Steps to Becoming a Thriving Franchise Superstar, 
Uh, he contributes to Entrepreneur Magazine, um, Entrepreneur.com, Global Franchise Magazine, and Nation's Restaurant News. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be with you. It's so nice to have you back. It's been a while. It's been too long. Yes. I think when I was um, speaking with you last time, like I was on a beach somewhere, and that's totally not where I am now. It's like 20 degrees. Yes, you're really suffering there during the pandemic on the beach, having to fight off that sunshine. So, yeah, it's so great that we've all moved on, Kristen. Yes. Well, and that's interesting because since that point, so much has changed, right? Like in everyone lo- everyone's lives and in business, it- it's just amazing. So what are you seeing? Because you're out there with all these different companies. What have you experienced since the last time we've talked? You know, lots of ups and downs, more ups than downs. Um, you know, the ups are that, like, franchising is back. People have been buying them. They've been opening them. Sales have gone up. Revenues have gone up. It seems like those who are really threatened by the pandemic, if they were able to last, then there's a good chance that they're actually doing well now and that they're thriving. But there's still a lot of uncertainty, as you know, um, with supply chain, with staffing, uh, the constant threat of what's going to happen with the economy. Uh, interest rates go up, so that is probably going to impact, you know, willingness for people to expand or to buy, you know, that kind of thing. So that uncertainty is there as well. So there's a lot of activity, but, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but the importance, I think, of just celebrating the fact that if you've made it this far, you've made it really far, and now you know how thick your skin is. Isn't that the truth? And, you know, really, it's um, for those of us who've made it through and happen to be sitting in a cash position, it actually is a really great time. Because unfortunately, in these times, um, as we talk often with Jerry, um, there are some situations in which people say, you know what, I've been through the previous recession, I've been through the pandemic, and I'm just tired. I don't want to do it anymore. And and so some people can capitalize on that, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing is that, you know, usually when people talk about a struggling business, traditionally it's struggling with sales. Like just the market isn't there for that business. They can't sell their widget. And these days, that's not the problem. The problem is being able to fill the orders, being able to have enough staff, being able to, um, you know, to to get the supplies and to even be in a position to have to worry about the pricing of supplies when sometimes you you can't get them. So it's a different set of problems, but the demand seems to be there for most businesses. Now it's about finding people and, you know, being able to afford higher prices when you're even fortunate enough to get stuff. Then you're muted. <laughs> I hope that some of the talks that people are asking you to do, as we've heard and talked about a lot, is how not only to just get more people, but how to get them engaged and want to stay in these businesses. Is that what you're getting as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, so, I mean, a typical day, you know, a franchisor reaches out to me, interested in having me speak, and then I say, okay, what are your pain points? What are the issues? And mm-hmm. if it's within my wheelhouse, then I can propose a presentation on that. So everywhere I'm going, I'm hearing things related to staffing. And I'm, I'm not going to officially announce it yet, but I'm teasing. My next book, which uh, hopefully is on the horizon, will be addressing some of these things. But the biggest pain point right now is staffing. Yeah. So what's interesting is everybody – like with all problems, they're looking for the tactics. What are the solutions? What are the hard skills to find people and to keep them? It's an important question to answer. But in my work, I'm always interested in also what are the soft skills that are there? Like where we have control. 
And, you know, until we have the soft skills down, the hard skills aren't going to serve us. That's right. So if someone says, hey, here's how I find employees, here's how I retain them. If you don't have the right soft skills, the right people skills, yeah. even if you find them, you're not going to be able to keep them. Yeah, and you so, just have a churn. That's all it is, right? It's like a rotating door. Right, right. You well, know, and, and are, you, are you finding with the, with the pandemic and the recession and all the things you're talking about, the soft skills in terms of flexibility, in terms of, you know, benefits, in terms of work culture, all those things, that's not, like you said, a tactic where I can say, follow step one, two, three, and then this, this, and this are going to happen. It's got to be something that's a long game over time, if, especially if you need a cultural shift right. to develop some of those soft skills. So how do you navigate that as a business owner if you have some soft skills to work on? Because you can't turn on a dime and create those, I don't think. No, but I think it's important to always focus on where we have control. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I always tell franchisees, regardless of what your challenges or problems or goals are, you always start by looking in the mirror. How are you a factor in this? And what can you do to maximize your impact in the business? Because you're either an asset to your business or you're a liability. That's right. And, lo- and a lot of people don't realize um, their impact on it, even with the staffing issue. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way that we're going to address the staffing issue, it starts with all of us updating our philosophy. So pretty much every day I'm talking to business owners, franchise and non-franchise, and they hear the litany of complaints about young workers and get a glass of wine in me and I'll contribute to that list, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that lazy, entitled, snowflakes, mentally weak. I mean, we, we hear these things constantly. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, seeing what's going on, having employed some of these people and how different the values are compared to when I was young. I can't imagine getting a new job, working two shifts, and then calling out because I have to study for a test. Like, that's incomprehensible, but that's how things are now. Yeah. So what I'm noticing, the difference is between the big majority of people who are out there struggling and that small minority are figuring it out is that minority, they're being less judgmental about workers. They're noticing and they're observing, but rather than calling them snowflakes, they're saying, okay, they're more sensitive. Rather than, you know, all the ways in which we can have bias and assign judgment, they're just noticing and observing and saying, okay, given what they are, instead of getting frustrated and complaining, where do I have control? What can I do differently on my end to accommodate this workforce? Whether I like them or not, whether I have the same values they do or not, if I want them, I need to understand them and for better or for worse, adjust accordingly. You know, that is very interesting because I was at the hair salon the other day and I was listening to this lady who's owned the salon now for 23 years. And I, this is the first time I met her and I'm listening to her talk and I'm like, oh my gosh, she has this huge personality. She's super funny. And then she starts talking about her help, right? I was the only customer left in there and, and the lady who does my hair and her, and they've known each other for quite some time. And I said, yeah, is that like the biggest issue for you is your health? And she's like, oh, my gosh, yes, and these young people, right? And I said, oh, yeah, I I hear you. And she goes, you know, the thing is, I have to remember that I was their age not too long ago, too. Maybe a little longer than I like it to be. But she said, I used to go out and party all night long. I used to sleep in my car and come in here reeking of alcohol, you know, shaking off a hangover. And she said, now I'm the boss of those people. They haven't necessarily change that much in their lifestyle and what they do but it's easy for us to forget those days so she said same thing I have to remember what it was like and what their priorities are and I have to manage more to their priorities and more to their lifestyle like the whole meet them where they're at Mm -hmm. instead of where we think they need to be 
Yeah. So perhaps a goofy little um, analogy there, but it's the same thing. Like you said, oh, they're going to miss tomorrow because they have a test to study for, right? It's not what we think their priority should be. It's now we have to realize where their priority is and try to accommodate that because we're not that much in control anymore. They yeah. are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, labor owns the market yeah. right now. Right. And so and it's not that I don't agree with the complaints. Like, look, the kids these days mentality that the kids these days effect has been around for generations. Right. Every yeah. generation complains about those who come after them. Mm-hmm. This. So, yes. Yeah, so we're now complaining about this young generation. But I do believe that this generation gap might be one of the biggest that we've ever seen, sure. because it does feel like a generation of people come from another planet, let yeah. alone another value system. That's what I'm saying. Maybe I should have had that glass of wine so I could really kind of go off on this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting I found, though, is my conversation with franchisees, if I don't acknowledge this reality, then they think that I'm disconnected and don't get it, and they don't mm-hmm. want to hear anything that I have to say. And so I really right. want to validate for those people of frustration, like, I, I get it. But yeah. expressing it and harping on that isn't what is constructive. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. I recently keynoted for um, Rita's Italian Ice. Mm-hmm. As I always do, I interviewed a number of franchisees in advance, and I always ask them, you know, what are their pain points and challenges? Not surprisingly, plenty of people said staffing. But a few people said, actually, for me, it's not as much a problem. And what's interesting is those people sounded just like all those great franchisees who I interviewed for my book, that wealthy franchisee mindset. And they're less judgmental. They observe it, but they're trying to be more objective about it and say, so how can I pivot? How can I accommodate them? And so, you know, one woman, she was saying, we're all about culture. I'm just talking about that. But another guy was saying, well, They don't want to work a lot. They want to work a little. So he actively seeks out very busy high school students because if they're busy, that they're sort of engaged in what they do and that works well for him. And then he hires more of them, but he only gives them one or two shifts a week. And then he um, makes it easy for them to swap out because that is what they need for better or for worse. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's so interesting because we've got a, it's not a franchise, but they have multiple locations. It's a chicken place that my son worked for in high school. And that's what they do. They, they have so many kids working there, but for, for a high school student, I think it's a little different than when you're getting into young adult in college, but my son would, he worked at a grocery store. They wouldn't let him off for band. Well, he was going to get a grade drop if he didn't show up for band. Uh-huh. It was a, that was a legitimate problem. I'm like, you have to prioritize your band grade. But when you switch to the other one, they, they swap in and out. If you have something for school that you've got to do a performance or whatever, they, they're like, we'll cover it. Don't worry about it because they've overstaffed, even in this climate. But it's lots of kids working little shifts, like exactly like you said. But I think the issue is getting the the people who are so frustrated to understand that that you can't control, like you said, any of that. So how are you going to overcome it and shifting that conversation? Yeah, you don't get angry at a customer because right. they want something different. You just you you they yeah. you, you wrap your business around what they want. And nowadays we have to do that with employees. And again. A little bit in defense of young people, as a parent of two teenagers, I was thought they're growing up in a different world. When I was a teenager, um, the best athletes at my high school, of which I was not among those ranks, they played two or three sports. Yep. These days, you've got to play one sport only and play it year-round, mm-hmm. and you can't skip a, a practice, let alone yeah. a game, for anything. Yeah. And if you do, then you know the coach goes off. And every part of the kid's life, everyone says that is your priority. That getting a 4.0 is not enough anymore to get into college. It's not enough to take a, a, a test. You have to take a test prep class. Yes. Everything is urgent. Yes. Um, and so it's just a different world. And so as an employer, 
who do you think you are to say, well, you need to drop everything you're doing, and I expect you to be here on these shifts when their coaches and everyone else are saying, you know, the same thing. It's just, yeah. it's a very different, and the more we can start to have empathy and compassion and remove the judgment and bias, change the way we think, change our operations to revolve around how people are now, the sooner we're going to get to the solutions. It's easier said than done. It is. But I'm noticing that some are cracking the code. Yeah. Well, it's interesting well, because when I was first promoted to a manager, one of the first lessons that was given to me by some of my mentors is that now that you're a manager, your number one priority is to take care of the employees. They are your customers. Because if you take care of your employees, your employees are going to take care of the customers. You're supposed to take care of the customers, too, through proper scheduling and proper training, but of your employees. Because that's how you have this, you know, your your values, your level of desire to service the customer gets filtered through the employees, right? And if you don't take care of your employees, they have no interest in taking care of your clients. They have, there's nothing in it for them, right? Because taking care of them is that you recognize their value. You reward them for a job well done. And if you're not doing that for them, what's there with them, right? Why? Yeah. Who care? Yeah. So it's interesting when we, sometimes I wonder, you know, we talk about um, the talks and things that you give, and I, I think about all of the people, kind of in general and overall, all the companies that pay for their executives to go to these discussions. And I think, well, how often do these companies take their hourly managers or their lower level managers, who actually are the ones, that use the term very loosely, touching the employees? that are closest to the customers, right? Because it's okay if you if you do this with your top tier, time that filters down, what is really the message? How sincere is it? How accurate is it? Because we know, let's just say as a business owner, you go to a convention and you come back all pumped up. By the time I get back and I want to deliver it to my staff, maybe 75, 80% gets back to them, right? Because you lose a bit of that. So if I'm an executive at a huge corporation, it gets watered down to the next level, gets watered down to the next level. By the time it gets down to the hourly employee, how much is left? Well, it's such a good point, Kristen. And it's not just that there's a loss of hype and enthusiasm that you get when you go to a conference. There's also just such a big difference between a, a CEO who leads a bunch of C-suite executives and vice yeah. presidents, right? And then a manager who's leading shift workers. And again, right. quick, quick secret preview, that is what my next book is about. There's so many resources out there for managing, for management, for leadership. But invariably, it's for career people. Exactly. Right? Not for the hourly worker who might just be there for weekend money or, I mean, maybe they're there for full time, but it's a completely different thing. And franchising all the time. We see people who come from the, the corporate world. They might have had hundreds or thousands of direct reports. They go into franchise, they open an ice cream store, and they don't know what to do with their 10 em employees for yeah. hourly because they haven't managed that kind of employee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But again, as in all cases with management, we start by looking in the mirror. And it's not that I don't agree with all the complaints that people have about wage workers, but the complaining itself isn't constructive. Sure. So it's going to come down to compassion and empathy and saying, okay, this is what they're like. So let's remove the judgment. How can we understand them? And then wrap um, our operation and our, our recruitment and our management style around who they are. And it's easier said than done, but, but the solution I know, I'm just in my heart of hearts, I know it's wrapped up in a philosophical shift. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe, you know, once we do that, um, we're going to figure it out, but things are going to have to change dramatically. Yeah. 
Well, and to take it a step further and, and not just eliminating the bias and the judgment, but also seeking the value of what they do bring to the table. Because, you know, my children are in that age group. They're, they're 20s, pretty much all of them. Um, and there's a lot of value. I mean, I see some of these things. I, I like to think my kids are pretty hard workers, but I still see some of what has been said. And I have to talk them through different <laughs> emotional things when I'm just like, <laughs> just get on with it. Suck it up and do it. So, but, but the value that they bring, they are so much more equipped in technology and in the, the, in the world around them. Their knowledge, because it's accessible to them, is different than what ours was. And then, then they get obliterated by the pandemic if you're like a young college graduate. Um, so, the, you know, one thing I want to touch on, too, before the end of our interview is your TED talk about resilience, because I think that can play a lot into the things that we're talking about, because the younger people need us to lead them as resilient leaders because they haven't had to be as resilient as we have yet, <laughs> you know. So yeah. what, what do you think in terms of the philosophical shift, um, what do you think the younger generation brings with them? When we're judgmental, we call them thin-skinned and snowflakes. Right. When we remove that judgment, we see people who are more in touch with their emotions and who collectively are going to force workplaces to be more emotionally accommodating. I also have kids who are entering the workforce fairly soon. And if employers are forced to be nicer, to focus more on culture, to make things less toxic, you know, they're going to do it kicking and screaming. But if yeah. work turns out to be a better thing and my kids get to enjoy that, that is going to be good. And my kids are not entitled because I've made a point of making them work for things and not giving the soccer trophies and, and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think that they, they bring a lot. You know, it's interesting, I think you mentioned technology. It's a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm, it's right. a blessing in all the ways that we understand. And kids know technology better than anyone. They can help with the social media and all that and spreading the word. But sometimes technology is a problem. So my son, during the pandemic, um, wanted his very first job. And he ended up getting it at In-N-Out Burger. Best in class workplace yep. for quick service restaurants. I mean, they're known for that. And he was a great employee. And I'm not saying that because he's my son. I have all kinds of complaints about my kid. But <laughs> as an employee, you know, he never complained. He wrapped his life around the shifts. He made a point of always having his uniform clean. You know, yes, sir. Like all the things that you want from an employee. Felt entitled to nothing. Worked hard and was grateful. Kind of someone who fast food you'd be thrilled to have. And again, I'm proud of my kid, but it's not like when I say, yeah, he's great for fast food. But it just so happens that, you know, certainly as a teenager he was. But right before he applied for In-N-Out, he applied at local McDonald's that needed help, that had help wanted signs. So he went to the website and he took the test where you answer all the questions. And that's where it ended. Never got an interview. So somehow that technology ruled him out. Yeah. And McDonald's missed out on someone who would have been a great employee for them. Yeah. And then he ended up at In-N-Out. So it worked out well for him, but for McDonald's, Something about that, when you remove the humanity altogether, right. place with technology, which really should just be a data point, but not the whole enchilada, work can be a problem. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they're staffing, but some of it is that people are being ruled out yeah, by these algorithms, real- by these tests. And again, not that I'm against them, but if we align them exclusively and we pull the humanity out of the process, yep. I don't think that's good. Yeah, you don't even get a human set of eyes looking on some of these really highly qualified people. And I, I think that's one thing we, as a parent in our generation, you say to your kids, go take your resume and go meet people, like go around and take it there. A lot of places won't even take a, no. a handwritten resume. So my son got both of his jobs by 
asking to see the manager at the grocery store, shaking his hand, and the guy interviewed him on the spot, and the same thing at the fast food place that he worked. But so many barriers are put up in, in larger companies. These were smaller companies, more local, yeah. that you don't even get to. I mean, if you walk in the store, they're like, oh, go online, you know? So we can't even, what we would have done doesn't work today. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there's so much to explore with this, Scott, and I can't wait because there's so much to be said about the hourly worker. I mean, gosh, it's, it's like we talked before. I, I think for the type of business that I own, had I not had a store of 400 employees, all of which six were salary, the rest were all hourly, I would not feel near as confident with the company that I have today. They're all hourly workers. It's a lot to take in. And it is a different mindset. I mentioned to you that my husband works with all professionals, but he cannot talk to my employees because they're a completely different type of person, right? They talk differently. They express themselves differently. They're motivated differently, right? And so those are all different things that, you know, their lifestyles are different. It's their why, right? Their why they're there is completely different than professionals. And so I can't wait to see what you have in store with your book. I can't wait to continue the conversation um, on leadership and motivation and all the great things that you have. Super excited to know that you're going to be joining us as a rotating co-host here in the future at Pillars of Franchising. We've got some great people coming up and um, your journey with us is just going to be amazing. So thank you so much for your time. Do we have to change my background to green, or are we good with the shade of blue? If we do that well, we might go to green depending on where we're at on the day of the interviews. Oh, I see. Well, I know I'd be doing some of these from a hotel room, too, and I'm not sure you want to see the messy bed behind me. So I, I may have to go for a... We'll send you your very own office. green screen. How about that? Sounds good. Your digital green screen. That's right. That's right. Well, Scott Greenberg, thank you again so much. And it's been such a pleasure as always to, to see you and chat with you. And we'll look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Me too. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Hello, Pillars family. This is Jerry Akers, one of the million-dollar mentors here at Pillars of Franchising. I want to wish you all the merriest of Christmases, happiest of holidays, and best New Year's possible. I want to make sure you all understand the last few years have been recovery years, and uh, I believe 2023 is going to be an amazing year for franchising. So stay tuned to Pillars. Lots of great things to come. Happy holidays. 
As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Hello to the Pillars of Franchising family. It's Elizabeth Denham here wishing you happy holidays from all of us at Pillars of Franchising. It's been a great uh, year and a half that we have been an official consulting firm. We are excited about everything that has happened in the last year. And we want to thank every single one of you for your support um, and participation and willingness to talk to us, be interviewed, and to support um, our goals going forward. We have so many exciting things coming up in the new year. I cannot wait see what happens in 2023. So continue to stay tuned, um, continue to reach out, and uh, continue to share your stories with us. We really do appreciate it. So happy holidays and happy new year. Christmas is right around the corner. What's in your stocking? A lump of coal or a new franchise? Merry Christmas and a happy new year to everyone out there. You know where to find a new franchise, don't you? Pillars of Franchising. Hi, folks. It's time for another episode of Pillars Pillar with Ray, my erstwhile co-host, Ray Pillar. Ray, how was your Christmas? It was fantastic. We had a, 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 a wonderful time with all the children and grandchildren and, and, and even great-grandchildren on my sister's side already. So, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, crazy year. So how about yourself? Um, again, spend time with the grandkids. My grandson gave me a gift that keeps on giving, which is a cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really didn't need that. But, man, they're just so adorable. My granddaughter's five, my grandson's three, and, and it was just. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So today, for our segment, I brought along a guest, and I'd like to introduce Darlene Belter. She is my tax accountant and has been my tax accountant. How long has it been now, Darlene? Uh, three, oh, four years? Yeah, At least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> so... Uh, Welcome to the show, Darlene, and Thank you. Uh, hopefully you had a, a wonderful Christmas yourself. And Mine was a little unique this year. Unfortunately, it did not involve my grandchildren due to COVID and, mm. and no heat at 30 below wind chill, but oh, wow. <laughs> made for some great stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, All right. Go, go ahead, Fred. So thank you for being on. Um, Ray mentioned on one of the last episodes as I was quizzing him on what do I look for when I'm looking at a franchise, potential franchise purchase, what do I look for? And Ray said, the thing you have to determine is if they're cooking the books. 
So I said, hmm, cooking the books does not sound tasty. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with that question. How do I know? And, and so I want to take this from two levels. One, there's the initial how, what would make me start to uh, suspect cooking the books? And then my other assumption is, is if I suspect it, I would be bringing in an expert potentially like you to confirm it. So in that first broad uh, brush of a non-professional type like me or a non-professional accountant type like me, yeah, I think that's something like that. Um, how would I, what would, what should start to ring alarm bells in my head to say, okay, we got to go into this deeper and I got to bring the professional in. Typically the lack of, of records is the first thing that is, is difficult if, if you're trying to look at a business. Um, you know, sometimes if they, if they don't have the records, they'll give you projections, you know, um, assumptions. Um, I believe it was this amount. Um, and, and that's usually a good indicator that they don't have good books to give you accurate information on what you're buying. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, stop that. How about I unmute my mic? That would help, right? Oh, my goodness, folks. Thank goodness it's the last time of the year I have to do it. I will not be doing that again this year. Thank you, God. We want to thank all of you for joining us on the show today to wrap up 2022. A huge thank you to Scott Greenberg for stepping up for our final show of the year. We'll be seeing more of him, for sure, in the very near future. And I'd like to thank you, our audience, for your continued support. Thank you to each and every one of our guests for sharing your experiences with us. And thank you to our Pillars team who worked so hard to bring you their very best every week. Fred, Elizabeth, Ray, Jerry, Karen, Laura, and so many more. Thank you to our sponsors. We could not have done it without you all this year. It's really been an amazing year. We are so forever grateful to all of you to a brilliant 2023. And as always, I am Kristen Chalmessey. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. This has been yet another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs>